welcome to another episode of the Source Material Comics Podcast. That is right. I am making my way back into the Source Material Comics Podcast hosting chair. And this evening... I think this was one that Mark had on the schedule uh, because we're tying this in with the most recent movie, uh, which is Shang-Chi. So I have never really read anything with this character in it. So this is something brand new for me, but I'm not alone on this journey. That's right. Bringing along Chris Armstrong, my buddy uh, from the our 90s podcast, Unspoken Issues, and he's agreed to help. Am I correct in saying that he's the main character from Master of Kung Fu? Is that right? I believe that is correct, but I oh, I better really I better double check. Master, uh, I do I know that he was created by Jim Starlin, and then he only did a few issues of the book before he passed it off to somebody else. I am correct. I believe the master of Kung Fu is indeed Shang-Chi, which is interesting because I found like, I think the, the last like five or six issues at a yard sale, probably about five or six years ago. Not so the old series. Yeah. Master of Kung Fu. Um, and it's got him kind of walking away. I think on that last issue, his back is kind of to the viewer. I mean, they weren't in like great condition, but, uh, I, I picked them up, never read them. So it's one of those (laughs) things where you like, you see the the comic, you're like, Oh, that looks old. I better get that. It's only like a dollar. I'll go ahead and grab it. Uh, so yeah, I was just looking at the uh, Wikipedia here. It looks like it ran from 74 to 83 and yes, it is indeed the main character of Master of Kung Fu was Shang-Chi. But, but yeah, I've, I've never really read any Shang-Chi stuff. I believe he appeared in an issue or two of the Heroes for Hire series from the late 90s that Iron Fist and uh, Cage uh, were, were like the lead characters in. I believe he appeared in that a few times. And then I know he appeared in a Spider-Man issue that I read in the 90s at some point. And that's about it. Other than, uh, I guess, more <laughs> recently, I think he was in the Hickman Avengers run some. Okay. So I'm, I'm really not familiar with, with Shang-Chi at all. Well, that's all right. That's what this podcast is here for. This is <laughs> uh, this is us walking into a, a new property slash character. One that's been around, obviously, for a while. Like I said, I mean, 74 was the first issue of Master of Kung Fu. He's been around pr- a little bit prior to that. It looks like it was 73. It was Shang-Chi's first appearance. You know, I'm right there with you, man. I've, I've not read anything with him in it that I can recall. There, When you think of the elite Marvel characters, I mean, my goodness, I don't even know if this dude would have is going to be on, on at the forefront of anybody's mind. Now, that's where movies right. come in and change that because if this is a good movie we got coming up, that might change things. Let me switch gears here real quick and just ask you this do you or did you watch kung fu movies um not really my older brother and one of his best friends they were really into kung fu movies like in the mid 90s early Mm -hmm. to mid 90s and uh in the in the like late 90s early 2000s they were trying to get me into them a little bit and i just never really liked them all that much i was kind of you know a subtitle snob i didn't want to (laughs) watch any movies (laughs) i had to read yeah Uh, i'm still kind of that way like i'll watch some stuff that was some foreign films with subtitles occasionally but um but but not not super often so i've seen some of the big ones like crouching tiger hidden dragon some of the jet lee movies from like the 90s 
But what, yeah, about, I've never what really about Jackie a, Chan? Most of the Jackie Chan movies I've seen are um, the American movies. That he's oh, okay. I, I saw Rumble in the Bronx, you know, in yeah. the mid 90s, maybe a couple others, but not, not a ton. Okay. Uh, so I don't, again, I don't like any kind of disdain for the genre or anything. I like, uh, you know, I, I love like the John Wick movies and, you know, the Matrix flicks, stuff that have a lot of like uh, martial arts style stuff in them, but are kind of different. Definitely influenced by the, the kung fu movies of old. I can remember my first probably exposure to a kung fu movie was when I was over at my dad's one weekend and I walked back into their to his bedroom and on his TV he had something that was playing I think probably on USA in the middle of a Saturday. Uh, it may have even been late at night or something like that and it was definitely some type of a kung fu movie but I was you know I was the same way I was just like well I don't really understand what's going on here the fighting looks cool but I've never just gravitated to where I needed to find them and watch them. Now, obviously, as I grew older, man, it's funny because I'm in the same boat you are. Rumble in the Bronx. I can remember going to college that first year in 97. And I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. Maybe it was Unspoken Issues. But, you know, we had this cable channel up there that showed movies before they were, like, released to video. And I don't know how or what kind of... Yeah, I don't know what kind of... Was it one of those, like... um did you guys like hack somebody hack into some kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> hotel rooms used to have where you could rent the movies, like in that window between theater and home video, like, no, uh, this I, remember was... that in the 90s. I, I remember we watched Forrest Gump when I was a kid, when we were on vacation in a hotel and it wasn't available to rent yet, but it wasn't in theaters anymore either. So there was always like a month or two window where okay. hotels, it seemed like had some kind of special deal where they could show movies like that. This was actual, an actual channel that I, I assume like Ohio University created and paid money for in order to offer this. And at that moment, I can remember watching that really getting a love for the martial arts films, or I should say at least that type of martial arts, the good stuff with Jackie Chan. Yeah. I became a fan. I mean, it is a lot of his stuff is mixed with some good bit of humor and sure. And stunts. Like, oh, yeah. A lot of stunts. Oh man. Watching and watching him do his own stunts. And then the gag reel afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, you know, Hey, it's going to be a, a, a kind of a new experience for both of us. I know you said you were picking it up. Was there any specific reason why you were picking this book up monthly? Kind of like the last uh, year or so, you know, I, I don't really like a lot of the stuff Marvel and DC are doing, but I have picked up a lot of like mini series, like the U.S. Agent mini series that Marvel did recently. This Shang Chi series. There are a couple more that I, I'm having trouble thinking of off the top of my head. Since I wasn't buying, I haven't been buying Avengers, you know, for a couple years now. Fantastic Four, I haven't been buying that for a few years now. Some, a lot of the big Marvel books, I just don't keep up with as much anymore. So um, I'll give a chance to some of these smaller like books. Uh, and I, and I knew the Shang Chi movie was coming out, and I knew that was why they were doing this book. So I just kind of took the bait and gave it a shot, and ended up I kind of liked the first issue, so I kept uh, kept going with it. Okay. All right. Well, before, uh, before we move on completely from kung fu movies, though, we have to acknowledge perhaps the greatest kung fu movie, Big okay. Trouble in Little China. <laughs> uh, no doubt about it. Oh, my goodness. Did you see my post? Like, I don't know. It was probably like six months ago where I, I realized that it was John Carpenter that sung that song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I had no idea. I knew the song, but I had no idea it was John Carpenter and his band. <laughs> 
Uh, I can't remember the name of the band, but the Coop um, Devils. The Coop Devils. That's right. I've got that's plenty right. of John Carpenter trivia for you. <laughs> oh, I know that, dude. I know for sure. I'm trying to like. I I think really I can remember as as young as I was, uh, that would play on the the USA Network, and I had to stop and watch it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it was it was one of my favorite martial arts slash mystical slash. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, it's such a great film when you're taking like some some dude who's just like. American as all American could be, you know. <laughs> I mean, he's literally doing a John Wayne impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they throw him right into the middle of uh, China, Chinatown, yeah. and um, and and all this craziness that's going on. So uh, it's a, it is it is a great film, absolutely. I'll watch it again here probably within the next year or so with my with my boys. Fun stuff. Well, uh, so the creative team, and I apologize for mispronouncing any names here, uh, oh just right up front. Yeah, you know this is. <laughs> This is the curse of uh, this is the curse of Appalachia right here. Trying to pronounce some of this stuff, but uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I can maybe get the writer right, and that's Gene Lu- Nope, Gene Luen Yang. Um, art by I'm gonna go with DK. How's that? DK Ruan, and then Philip Tan, which is the flashback artist. And I did I could recognize his art uh, immediately. And then colored by Sebastian Chang, and lettered by VCs uh, Travis Lanham. This is Shang-Chi came out in 2020. We're doing the five issues. I'm going to do a synopsis here of the first three. So if you're ready, I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. Go for it. With this being a character that, you know, we're casual fans. We know the name, but we're not deep into the lore of Shang-Chi. There is a lot of lore. That's what I get across in this these first three we learn a lot about shang chi where he's come from what his background is versus all the people that uh were in his life and where he's at now so here we go issues one through three of shang chi that synopsis is right around the corner but first let me talk about amazon music At the W2M Network, we believe sharing is caring, and what better thing to give than the gift of music. If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W, the number 2, M Network, for that free 30-day trial. Uh, Shang-Chi is currently living in San Francisco, helping an elderly woman out at her bakery in exchange for lodging. Again, when beautiful British secret agent Liko Wu arrives to tell him that the Five Weapons Society has targeted him. Just to kind of let you know, Five Weapons Society, Shang-Chi has history with them, okay? Aided by other society members, Brother Saber and Sister Dagger, Shang-Chi learns that he has been chosen as Supreme Commander of the Five Weapons Society. There is only one problem. His sister, Shi Hua, or as as she is known now, Sister Hammer, who is believed to have been dead since childhood. She has ruthlessly taken over the society and actually aims to kill her own brother, Shang-Chi. In the second issue, we learn of an incident that led to Shang-Chi's father, Zhang Zhu, exiling Shi Hua to the House of the Deadly Hammer in Russia. Zhang Zhu never let Shang-Chi know that she was still alive. Finding Shi Hua now in present day, Shang is led to believe she is relieved to see him, but then finds out that she has poisoned him. When he awakens in a lab filled with what appear to be zombies, Brother Saber and Sister Dagger appear to help Shang escape. However, during the fight, he is wounded by one of the zombies and faints. When he wakes up, he is on Brother Saber and Sister Dagger's boat, but sees a vision of his dead father, Zhang Zhu, in the distance. In our third issue, Shang arrives at the House of the Deadly Dagger 
Tiger in France. There he meets Master Ling, who explains the creatures he were fighting were called Zhangxi. Led by the vision of his father Zhang Zhu, he finds a hidden shrine for his uncle, Zhang Yi, and a map. Another encounter with Sister Hammer has Shang-Chi fighting more Zhangxi, the zombies. When Sister Hammer's forces appear to have been defeated, she begins to retreat. Suddenly, Shang's wound from the previous battle begins to act up, and he, he feels compelled to do his sister's bidding, but is able to resist and even shields his friend from a bomb blast as Sister Hammer escapes. Now, some side notes, okay? Throughout the issues, we're treated to glim- uh, glimpses of the past, specifically the history between Zhang Zhu, Shang's father, and Zhang Yi, which is Shang, uh, Zhu's brother and Shang-Chi's uncle. We get a brief history of Zhang Zhu and how he was the leader of the Five Weapons Society that protected China. After his brother Zhang Yi died, he puts a longevity spell in place to guide the Five Weapons Society for many, many years. However, he met his end when he fought his favorite son, Shang-Chi. We also learn that it is believed Zhang Zhu killed his younger brother, believing kindness to be a weakness. Now, I know that was a lot to throw out there. (laughs) I mean, really simply, Shang-Chi has gone off to San Francisco, minding his own business, finds out his sister, who he thought was dead, is still alive, and decides to go and talk to her because apparently she's getting getting a little feisty and trying to take over the society. I mean, she and what we see of her through these issues, she's definitely, like, killing people with no quarter. You're wondering, like, why in the world would Shang-Chi want to talk to this girl? But we also learn about his father and his uncle and uh, the past that Zhang Zhu and Zhang Yi had where they were trying to help protect China with by guiding the Five Weapons Society. There's definitely some hints that Zhang Zhu killed his own brother. Uh, from what I understand, I mean, this guy's pretty evil. He's portrayed pretty badly, at least. Uh-huh. I mean, he sends his own daughter off to a camp in Russia and makes his own son believe that she's dead uh, just because you know she struck him to try and protect her own brother. But yeah, I mean, we got Sister Hammer out there causing trouble. Shang-Chi, who gets injured, he's about to turn into a, I mean, well, he's not turning into a zombie, but he's definitely feeling the effects of whatever that, or the infection that he got from getting struck by one of the Zhangjis. Just real quick, let's talk about our perceived the perceived hurdles here, and you tell me if it was something that you had to try and get past when you were reading these issues, or if it was something you, that was easily overcome. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Number one, Shang Chi is a B character. Am I wrong in saying that? No, I think I mean you, you could probably argue he's a C character. <laughs> Uh, Just because he's a character that Marvel hasn't made a concerted effort to keep in the forefront, like for, I mean, literally for 40 years, like he pops up every once in a while, he shows up as guest star, he'll have a mini series here and there. But I think he, I think he actually has a series right now that followed this one up. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we all know that's because there's a movie coming out. Yeah. Oh yeah. So we'll see how long that lasts. But yeah, he just is not a guy who's been given you know, a lot of chances to to shine or whatever for for Marvel, but I think he's a cool character. Then I, I didn't mention earlier one of the one of the thing that probably kind of cinched it for me that I was going to pick up that first issue was that Philip Tan was the uh, one of the artists, and I mm-hmm. like him, and I thought, well, he'll be a good fit for this character, so I'll I'll check it out. That was that was kind of one of the selling points 
for that first issue too. Yeah, 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 for sure. And he just does the, I think the art for the flashbacks. Uh, right. But yeah, yeah, again, you can instantly recognize it. And it's great. Just like you said, he's not at the forefront of a lot of storylines that Marvel's done. You know, I don't remember what Shang-Chi was doing during Infinity Gauntlet. You know, right. he, it, it's not, it wasn't there. He Apparently they probably looked at him and said, well, there's not, uh, you know, there, we tried this and there's no sales there or something. But well, he, I mean, he was born out of the, you know, Kung Fu invasion of the you know mid 70s when bruce lee blew up and there were a, a ton of kung fu moves were coming over to the states and they were a big deal and so they wanted to capitalize on that marvel did so that's why shang chi came around initially and i mean that fad ended eventually and <laughs> yeah yeah just like any other you know any other trend once it goes away it's kind of hard to keep a character that was really born out of that Another hurdle that I listed here was like culture shock. Um, now, we we both talked about how we weren't people who were really, really into kung fu movies. We knew about right. them. We watched a few of them. One thing I was thinking was like the United States as a country is pretty young. Um, <laughs> when you compare it to the history of China, sure. that's been around for a society that's been around for thousands of years. Um, and we obviously have two different cultures here, the United States culture and the, that of uh, that's based on like the last 200, maybe 300 years of, of our society. Mm -hmm. And then the society of China that's been going on for so, so long. Did you find that a hurdle that you had to get past or were you just like, OK, you know, this was pretty easy. They did a good job uh, explaining it and I was good to go. Uh, maybe a little bit at first, but I I really like that aspect to it because this seems authentic to me, even though I don't know a lot about Eastern mythology and stuff like that. Yeah, um, so I thought it, it gave it a different flavor than what I would have would what I'm kind of more used to mm -hmm. uh, with American comics. But I liked it. Did you do you feel we got a good intro to who Shang-Chi is, uh, you know, through those first three issues, his history and the conflict that he's in? Yeah, I think so. And there was really not many references to like his life, his interactions with other like mainstream superheroes and stuff. They kind of kept it just to Shang-Chi's personal like story, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I mean, I, I think after the first issue, like I said, it took me a couple times to read it to completely understand that what was going on and who was who. But regardless, in those first three issues, I felt I got a good understanding of who Ch Shang-Chi uh, is and what exactly his history was. So I'll agree with you there for sure. Uh, what do you think of Sister Hammer? Yeah, she's a, a good villain. It is something that seems a little tired, like the long-lost sibling is actually the villain and, and, and all that stuff. But it still works pretty well. I guess it's better than, you know, the former master turns out to be a villain and, and, and the student okay. has to go defeat him. So, But, uh, but yeah, as far as just the character herself, I thought she was a, a, a worthy adversary to, to, to Shang-Chi, and I didn't, I didn't have any problems with her. I mean, they did a good job of giving her, like, uh, motivation, so you can kind of see her point of view. Yeah, I was just checking to see. Obviously, she's presented as somebody that Shang-Chi completely had no idea was still alive, so it was obvious that this was a, a vehicle to bring in a new character and a fresh face. And of course, I, there's a lot of history there that we didn't know about. And yes, her first appearance was indeed Shang-Chi number one. So that's interesting. So she isn't a, wasn't a previous character at all. There was no reference to his sister, I guess, in any other Shang-Chi iterations. Yeah, I don't. As far as I know, uh, they at least her first full appearance here, they got listed as Shang-Chi number one. So I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that I really liked. Shang-Chi does not like where he has come from. <laughs> 
I'm not saying that he doesn't like China. What I'm saying is like he does not like the fact that he was born and brought up into this society of what was it called? The five weapons society. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact one time he references references it as a cult. Yeah. And you're almost like, well, you know, I don't think you're too far off there, brother. It's kind of right. And at the beginning of this, the five weapons society, I remember Sister Hammer comes in and says to uh, I can't remember if his brother staff or whoever was running the wep- five weapons society at that point. She says, you've done nothing but ran run this into the ground and created uh, created a drug ring. And now it's my time to take it over and, and take it to the glory that it's supposed to be in. But Shang-Chi's like, I don't want any of that. I don't want to be associated with any of it. And I think that's a really cool dynamic where he's trying to make a life for himself in, in San Francisco and just does not want anything to do with the five weapons society at all. Uh, just so keeps I was back in. That's right. Keeps, you know, he can't, he can't escape. So I really did like that. And the other cool thing about this is zombies, buddy. I mean, uh-huh. I say zombies, but I mean, it's clearly, I guarantee you. If zombie I vampires. Up, yes, that's right. Zombie vampires. <laughs> yeah, I was reminded whenever the, these zombie vampires showed up, going back, I don't know, maybe 20 years even or close to it, that, that buddy of mine that was into to, uh, Hong Kong cinema, he, he, he was trying to sell me on this movie called Versus. Uh, which I believe is kind of a cult classic now. And he was telling me and my buddy about it and describing it, um, about how he almost made it sound like a uh, a Kung Fu Evil Dead movie. Ooh. And well, I was excited about it. <laughs> and uh, nice. eventually he brought it over for us to watch. And, and well, we were just so disappointed. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, Which, I mean, I guess it's it, it's got a following, so I guess it's probably... A pretty good movie. We just didn't. I just didn't care for it, and neither the the buddy of mine that was with us, as he was describing the movie to us initially, he was talking about all these zombies. And then when we got to watching the movie, it was like, well, these zombies act more like vampires than zombies. So I guess that's part of like maybe that's part of like the Chinese uh, culture. I don't know the way they the way they present uh, zombies are, are more like vampiric characters. Well, I hopped on the wiki, but I can just tell you that it was mentioned in a book between 1789 and 1798. That's how far I guess this reference goes back. It's definitely a part of their culture. Uh, I'm looking at just right here on the wiki. They got a picture. It says two people dressed up of Zhang Xi, Zhang Xi on Halloween in Osaka. So it's hmm. it's something that is probably like I would assume similar to zombies. Um, which do you know much about zombies themselves? Like is that's I know like the first zombie movie or one of the I say one of the first, but uh, John Romero is it John not John George Romero. Romero George Romero yeah. I mean, he kind of uh, uh, created the flesh eating zombie that we kind of think of today as, as zombies. But before that, there were like the voodoo uh, type zombies um, where people would be kind of controlled by others through like voodoo magic and stuff like that. But I'm not sure where the first like the term zombie originated or whatever. But but yeah, the, the standard like flesh eating zombies like we see on The Walking Dead and stuff like that. I think that's a much more uh, modern version uh, that I think that kind of started with Night of the Living Dead. Okay, okay. Which was 68, I think. Yeah, yeah, and and this is definitely different. Uh, these are definitely different from that. They're not going after his flesh. They're trying to kill him. It was pretty neat to see those show up and just be like, oh, okay, we got some, we got some zombie-like creatures coming after him, <laughs> and then seeing you know Shang Chi get injured and kind of go through. It's almost like turning 
to be honest. Right. I mean, when, when you get bit you by a, a, the modern zombie, you think of turning, and that's kind of what he's doing here, except he, yeah, it's, it's... It's like a virus slowly taking him over, sort of. Yeah, and he's more susceptible to the will of Sister Hammer, which makes... Mm-hmm. I, and I think that ties together here in these next couple issues, but it makes it... Uh, obviously, she's the one that kind of, I guess, did the spell, reanimating these Zhangxi, and then people get injured by these things or struck or, or the virus gets over into them. She can control them as well. Uh, and that's what happens kind of like in that last, that uh, third issue where he's kind of compelled to do what she's saying and she and he doesn't. He, he resists well enough right now anyway, but that wound is not getting any better. So, but that's all I had on the first three issues. Anything that you wanted to bring up before we get to the fourth? Uh, just that we needed more Fin Fang Foom. Uh, really, <laughs> he, he shows up in the first few pages in a flashback yeah. and we just really get the the uh the guys jumping at him to take him into battle and then that's all we get yeah <laughs> it's always and that's, cool to see fin fang foom show up so that was where i was kind of like oh you know this Zhang zhu who's the guy that's i assume been the villain for shang chi for quite a while obviously there's been conflict <laughs> but yeah you know to see him kind of fighting to try and protect china i was like oh okay so he's not exactly oh you know a really really bad guy he's he's coming from a place where he's obviously tried to protect people in the past what went wrong that's kind of one of the interesting parts is like what you know why why did he turn bad but anyway we we kind of get a yeah i don't know about an explanation (laughs) completely but i mean we definitely i'm sure if you go back into the master of kung fu series you can at least see some of the dirty deeds that he's done all right well issue four getting liko to help out with the map that he found shang chi heads off seeking his uncle's zhang yi's tomb bringing brother saber and sister dagger along they find it but a deadly guardian is there as well fighting it Brother Saber and Sister Dagger tell Shang to head further into the tomb while while they keep the Guardian at bay. Shang proceeds and finds his uncle's grave, finding Yi's spirit, and asks for guidance on what to do, how to treat his wounds, and also what to do to escape the Five Weapons Society as he believes it to be a cult. Zhang Yi tells him a story from when the Five Weapons Society fought Baron Harkness in the Dread Dormammu. Good callbacks right there. Uh, he also twists the story a little, saying that Zhang, Zhang Zhu chose Zhang Yi to live and was about to sacrifice himself, but just before he could, Zhang Yi sent his spirit into his brother. I think the way that it was portrayed earlier was that Zhang Zhu killed his brother, but that's not the case according to Zhang Yi's spirit. Zhang Yi explains to Shang-Chi that he cannot run from his family, but must find balance or lose his way like Zhang Zhu did after the battle with Baron Harkness. Back on the path to the tomb, the Guardian shows Brother Saber a vision that Shang will defeat Sister Hammer and then take over Commander of the Five Weapons Society and then the world. Shang returns and helps defeat the Guardian, but the revelation leaves Brother Saber concerned. Meanwhile, MI5 is preparing to confront Sister Hammer, even though Liko has tried to warn them not to. So that is issue four. We definitely get the evolving story Story of Zhang Zhu and Zhang Yi as brothers, uh, and if Zhang Zhu's path, what what Zhang Zhu's path is on how he becomes, I guess, evil. And then we also have Zhang Yi making Shang realize he cannot run from his heritage and must learn to take control of it. So, I think those are the most two important parts of the that issue, just to kind of get us an idea of what Shang's father was like and what Shang has to do in order to try to end this threat of Sister Hammer. 
a couple things I liked the meeting with his uncle. It was kind of a uh, it had kind of an Obi Wan Kenobi vibe. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, him talking to the spirit of you know his uh, of, a, of a former important part of the family. Uh, I thought the the Guardian of the Grave. I don't know if they ever give that thing a name, but that thing is gnarly. Oh, <laughs> it is, dude. Got like a serpent's head with a lion's mane and ram's horns, <laughs> and it's got six arms kind of protruding out of its neck, like human arms. Uh, it's a really cool, weird design. I don't know if it's based on anything or if it's just something they, that uh, the artist came up with, but uh, very cool. And always uh, enjoy seeing the mindless ones pop up <laughs> in a Marvel comic. Uh, it, which happens, it seems like, every 20 years or so. I see them pop up in something. The uh, mindless ones, help me out here. Are those the Dormammu? Those are like the, the acolytes of Dormammu there that are like uh, fighting the... Uh, I see them there. Yeah, with the, just yeah. like the Cyclops red visor, like eyes almost, but they're not, obviously, the visor. Um, yeah, I think they, they probably show up more often than I think but i just i know i remember them the first time i remember seeing them was in an uh, an issue of uh sleepwalker that was part of like a dark hawk sleepwalker crossover uh where that a portal got opened to their dimension and they kind of poured through and they had to fight them off and stuff uh i think they're probably more often showing up in dr strange stories because i think their mamu uh uses them a lot maybe they showed up in the dr strange movie as like a kind of like in the background I, i have some kind of vague recollection of something like that but yeah, they they definitely are pretty are terrifying. <laughs> for sure. Wow. Okay. All right. In London, Sister Hammer has unleashed the Shang-Chi on the city, and Liko and her soldiers are struggling to stop them. Shang-Chi and friends arrive to turn the tide. When Shang begins to look to confront Sister Hammer, his Shang-Chi wounds begin to take over, and he is losing control. Just then, Sister Hammer shows up to attack him, making him do her bidding. She orders him to destroy the others. Resisting, Shang-Chi discovers how Sister Hammer is creating the Shang-Chi by instilling in them all of the emotions she had as a child when her father banished her, which is it's really neat how they use her trauma to kind of fuel these zombie-like creatures. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a neat little trick. Taking the fight to an ethereal plane, which uh, I, that's, I just put that in there because they definitely weren't fighting. It was like they took it to the mindscape or something. But anyway, taking the fight to an ethereal plane, Shang is finally able to get Xiaohua to see her father for what he is now versus what he was to her then. How he is twisted by fear and hate. Finally able to see this, Shihua appears to release her hatred towards her father, overcoming the unavenged wrongdoing. I remember that being said. The unavenged wrongdoing that powers the zombies and that all of the Zhangxi collapse. But then Sister Hammer focuses her rage towards Shang-Chi. When Liko shows up, she fires a headshot right for Shihua, but Shang catches the bullet. Surprised and confused as to why Shang-Chi had saved her, Shihua runs for a bridge and jumps into the river. Shihua, Sister Hammer, hops into the river. She's gone. They, they don't know if she's dead. They're, she's obviously disappeared. Uh, so after this, Shang then takes control of the Five Weapons Society as Supreme Commander, bringing four of the five together. And in a ceremony, Shang extinguishes the flame of the torch passed down from his father, Zhang Zhu, in order to light a new torch for a new era. However, in the epilogue, Zhang Zhu's spirit tells Shang-Chi he is destined to become just like him. All right, man. So there we go. That is the fifth and final issue of Shang-Chi from the 2020 series. Uh, I guess let me first ask you, I mean, what do you think of our resolution for Sister Hammer? I, uh, 
prefer that to her getting wasted uh, as a villain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I thought uh, the in the coolest moment in the maybe in the whole series actually is uh, Shang Chi catching that bullet. Uh, oh yeah. With yeah. The two fingers. That was that was really cool. But yeah, I uh, I prefer her to not turn over a new leaf or whatever, um, or get killed at the last at the last second. So they kept they kind of do the comic book thing of keeping her open as a future threat and everything. Clearly, she has love for her brother. Uh, mm-hmm. She lo- she loves her brother. She. At least she did at one point. And now, obviously, she has been warped since childhood and feels that she belongs as the leader of this society. But she's definitely got an evil bent to her. Mm -hmm. She's definitely someone that isn't ruling with compassion. She's ruling out of fear and and hatred. Um, But and they give her enough humanity to make you think like Shang-Chi may still be able to reach her or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that I'm looking at the I'm going through the fifth issue here. I mean, there's and I sum this up. So I'm not. There is a lot that happens, uh, specifically where Shang makes Shihua, his sister, realize that, look, you have nothing to be afraid of. This guy should have no hold over you. He's dead and gone. And, of course, that's enough for her to reconcile what happened. Uh, But, boy, does that make her mad. (laughs) (laughs) And they they really hint to like oh okay well she's coming around she's obviously really sorry and then she just straight up goes after Shang Chi and tries to kill him um, but you know it's it's a good yeah I agree with you it's a good resolution the fact we leave her out there as a potential villain for the future uh, if she wanted to become one uh, or possibly an ally you never know Shang sh- saved her life I think that she's just got a lot of stuff to work through <laughs> a lot of stuff to work through how about the premonition or the prophecy of Shang-Chi possibly becoming evil. Uh, what do you think of that? I mean, does that feel, I almost want to say it feels too tropey. For me, it wasn't surprising. What about you? You know, I actually, I, I just saw this last page. <laughs> oh, yeah? The, like the epilogue that I was talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, because there's a letters page before that. Yep. So yeah, I'm seeing. I'm just now seeing that. That's cool. Um, yeah. Just so yeah, like it, me. It uh, gives him something else to worry about, sort of. <laughs> yeah. I give you the floor for anything left unsaid about these five issues. I mean, I know we rocketed through them, but I, it was a good read in my opinion. I had a good time. I had a. I have a way better understanding of who Shang-Chi is and where he's come from and what's in front of him right now. Uh, so that much I appreciate as a casual fan of, of Marvel comics. Uh, you know, I, I knew who Shang-Chi was. Now I definitely can tell you if somebody comes up to me and goes, Hey, what do you think? Which most likely will be my daughter. <laughs> She'll be like, Oh, that Shang-Chi movie looks cool. Well, let me tell you what I read. <laughs> That's pretty much what I'll do. Um, but, uh, you know, this, if somebody ever came up to me and asked me about Shang-Chi, I feel like I'd have at least a little bit better ground to stand on than I did before. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. I think Shang-Chi is a really cool character, and I want to see him uh, more often. So I'll probably check out the the, uh, the ongoing series he's got going now. I haven't yet, but I, I plan to. Cause I'd like to see him stay kind of prominent in the comic book world as well as the, as the films, you know, the MCU. And it's, uh, I think he's, you know, he's kind of been underused over the years, I think, because maybe because Marvel doesn't know what to do with him, maybe because they think he's just not popular enough to sustain his own, you know, book or whatever. But I, I like this enough to, to keep going and see see where the writer Yang takes the character from here. Okay. Well, what do you think about the movie, man? Are you excited about the movie? Yeah, the movie is interesting. It's going to be an interesting, I guess, test for kind of for Marvel because... 
unless you consider Black Widow a failure because of the whole Disney Plus thing. I think that hurt its box office. It had a big drop off after its opening weekend and all that stuff. But I mean, I, I kind of attribute that to the fact that people can watch it at home, you know, and oh, yeah. I think that that really ate into their to the uh, the box office numbers. Uh, but yeah, Shang-Chi is a character nobody in the general public really knows who he is or anything about him. There's no, you know, Nick Fury is not apparently in this movie. None of the other characters are, or at least are not, not in the trailers. So it's really going to be kind of a test for the branding, I guess, of the MCU. Um, I think it looks really cool. I think the trailers have been impressive. Seeing a Marvel movie that's also, you know, a kung fu flick, that's really interesting to me. So I'm I'm hopeful that it's going to take off. Yeah, I'm, I don't want to be skeptical because skeptical was me for Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and that turned yeah, out, that smacked me in the face. It's like, holy crap, they did. They could <laughs> do something with a, a, a series of characters that no one has any idea about uh, and actually make a great movie. Now, the thing is, is that it, it felt like it belonged in the universe. Yeah. It felt like we were working. I mean, my goodness, if you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, I mean, you can't think of it being separate from Thanos uh, really in any <laughs> way now because there's so much history between Thanos and Gamora. So those characters were around the big threat. This, it definitely feels more apart from what we've got. Now, I'll tell you, I mean, if they wanted to make this movie something that I would be absolutely into 100%, I mean, you know, you've got to pepper in some of the other, uh, some of the established characters. Sure. Or at least, you know, make it feel like it belongs and not completely on its own. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that that's, yeah. that's what I get. Uh, I want to see something that makes me go, okay, well, the, you know, this belongs in here. There's a reason for this movie. Um, that was one of the things I, I kind of had an, an issue with, with black Panther, which I liked the, the movie was great. I, I liked it a lot. Um, yeah. But as I was watching it, it was just like, this is really just a black Panther movie. It doesn't, the only other character that was really in it from the other MCU movies was claw and the agent from Winter Soldier. I can't remember the character's name, but Martin Freeman's character. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, it was very you. insular. Like it was just about Wakanda and just about the Black Panther. And it didn't have the feel of like the bigger universe of the Mar- of the MCU. Shang-Chi may be the same thing because I don't know of any other characters that are supposed to be in it. Yeah. Well, it's got it's got its challenges. So I uh, I mean, there's a small complaint. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we can't. I've learned my lesson from criticizing something before it came out. You know, sure. that's that's the that's the key is like I once it comes out, then I'll make my judgment then. So it, it, it'll be fun to see. I mean, I think this show is going up either the day of the release or, or maybe a, a few days before. But regardless, you know, hopefully if this drops before, you now have a little bit better idea of who Shane Chi is and what his history is like. Uh, so we appreciate you taking us along on the journey there in your ear holes or whatever. Um, I think that will bring this episode of Source Material to a close. Chris Armstrong, I'm going to ask you, sir, uh, to plug anything that you have going on right now. 
Did someone say plugs? This would be a good time to plug a sponsor for the W2M network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Source Material, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W, the number two M network to download Grammarly for free. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BrodyMan34. That's pretty much it. All right. Well, I know I know of a couple things you and I've been doing, and that is definitely the Unspoken Issues right. Comics podcast. <laughs> Man, did we have a good time talking to Ron Friends? Yeah, I mean, that was awesome. That all all credit lies at Chris Armstrong's feet for that one. He's the guy that <laughs> reached out to him and brought him on to the show. Uh, folks, if you are a Marvel Comics fan, if you like the new universe, there's some stuff in that podcast for you. If you like Thunderstrike, trust me, check out that podcast where where Chris and I have the opportunity to sit down and talk to Ron friends about Thunderstrike. Uh, it was a it was a lot of fun. This time when this releases, I believe we will have our unspoken issues of Rocco's Modern Life number seven and Duckman number five. It's a twofer, a twofer, <laughs> folks. Two wonderful podcasts for the price of one. Keep an eye out for our upcoming ish, issue, upcoming episode of Tripped Up Trivia that Alexis Hanna and myself host. Uh, that will be, if you like to play trivia, you can hear us and usually about four other guests get on there and have a good time playing some trivia. Uh, we are expecting to be releasing a episode on toys in August. And then I think our good buddy, Jason Teasley, he's going to be dropping an NFL trivia. So that's, that's going to be a lot of fun. And Chris Armstrong participates uh, or is planning on participating in the October one. At least I, I think so. Unless things have changed, we got a horror themed episode. I'm down. He is down. He is down. All right. Well, for Chris Armstrong, I'm Jesse Starcher. Thanks for joining us for source material. We will be talking to you soon. Have a good one. Bye-bye.